This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hello, folks. Thank you so much for joining me today. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit on Mindful Medicine. I'm actually going to introduce just a small little introduction to my two guests. That's right. I've got two guests today. And then I'm going to tell you what we're talking about because, I don't know, that's how I want to roll. All right. So first, I am so excited and we are going to jump right in because we have a lot of information um, I have you in sp- suspense. I know that but we have a lot of information to get to a lot of exciting information that you're going to want to know. I've got my former classmate and colleague, Dr. Nasha Winters. She's the founder, CEO, and visionary of Optimal Terrain Consulting, which we're going to talk so much more about. She is nationally board certified naturopathic doctor, licensed acupuncturist, and fellow of the American Board of Naturopathic Oncology. Okay, that is a hint. All right. And I also have her co-author. Yep, they wrote a book. Jess Higgins Kelly. She is the director of the Oncology Nutrition Therapy Certification Program at the Nutrition Therapy Institute in Denver, Colorado. She is the founder and CEO of the Metabolic Nutrition Consulting Education and Research Enterprise called Remission Nutrition. So here's the deal. This book came out and it has been making a big splash. I have it right here in front of me. It's beautiful, it's gorgeous, but it is chock full of very intriguing information when it comes to, you got it, a metabolic approach to cancer. That is the name of the book, Integrating Deep Nutrition, the Ketogenic Diet, we're hearing a lot about that lately, and Non-Toxic Bio-Individualized Therapies. Ladies, welcome to Mindful Medicine. (laughs) Thank you. What a treat to be with you. (laughs) You Great introduction. Thank you. Yeah, it is so, I'm so happy to have you. Um, This book has, when, it was released when? May 24th. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So a couple months and I honestly, and I have seen it everywhere and I am so <laughs> proud of you and I'm so excited for you. So talk to me a little bit about that. What made you two, I mean, obviously deep in uh, into understanding oncology or cancer yourselves individually, but what made you two decide to write a book and, and who is this for? Who's your audience? Well, I'll answer the reason for the book, and then I'll have Jess go into the audience. But um, Jess and I, 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 of course, as as you know, Holly, I've had my own health challenges, and cancer is near and dear to my heart. And so a few years back, my husband and I started facilitating retreats for patients with cancer, and Jess joined us midstream into that and really helped bring the nutritional punch of education that we wanted to really share with and empower the patients. And out of that experience, people started really begging us for a cookbook or a guidebook to nutrition on some level. And so ultimately, that's how it was born over, I believe, a really wonderful meal at Jess's place um, a couple years ago. And we have since been co-creating, dumping 25 years of my brain and 10 years of her brain into this collaboration. And we are very pleased with the results of this hopefully being um, sort of the toolbox for our time. That's excellent. Yeah, exactly. And as, as far as audience goes, uh, you know, originally it was we were found ourselves, you know, repeating a lot of the same information <laughs> to individual clients, patients, and it was like, wow, we've got to get this out to the masses because it's aimed both at prevention and at you know once the cancer process has begun how to manage it and get some new tools in the toolbox. So we've been hearing from a lot of our readers, you know, of course, that, yeah, this is really helpful for cancer folks, but it really applies to any chronic illness. You know, autoimmune, we talked, you know, in the immune chapter about an autoimmune approach or 
any type of chronic illness, cardiovascular disease. So it does have sort of a broad reach uh, for anyone. I mean, it's really cancer-focused, but it really can apply to anyone who's looking to prevent chronic illness or manage chronic illness with nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. I see that because, you know, I've always said, uh, okay, I, you know, I don't, I care little about diagnoses for the most part. I mean, sure, it gives right, us yeah. a, a framework and a, and a talk, but I care more about the mechanism behind the diagnosis. So what is that? What is the story of the tissue? What is the story of this person? Yeah. And you're right. So from what I see of this book, um, I mean, cancer obviously is, has, is, its own C word. It's stigmatized. It's <laughs> devastating. It's scary. You know, to, to to this day, certainly for anybody who has been touched by it, and whether it be diagnosed with it and or have a family member that had suffered from it. But you're right. I think this goes deeply into really diseases of our modern time uh, and uh, optional diseases of our modern time, and and is very very helpful across the board. Okay, so I want to get into this because this is. It's called the metabolic approach to cancer. Um, what do you mean by that? What What are people gonna What are people gonna learn about that when they when they get their hands on this book? Yeah. So yeah. right at this point, a lot of times Western medicine is saying cancer is a genetic disease. We've been looking at cancer through this genetic lens since the 50s, and what you know. Sadly, the work of Otto Warburg got left behind at the turn of the century, and now it's got this amazing revival, and it's getting backed by research. And we're knowing that it's really a a disease of damaged mitochondria, and that's altering energy metabolism. And so, basically, this is reframing how we need to look at cancer, because only 5 to 10% of cases are rooted in faulty genetics. Uh, So, this is looking at it through what we put into our bodies and what we surround our bodies by, basically how we're responding to diet and lifestyle. It's been recognized as the cause of 90% of cancers, and uh, so we're just putting the, you know, people can have a role in whether or not they get cancer. It's not bad luck. It has to do with metabolism and, and what we're eating and what we're not eating, you know? So that's really it. It's looking at it through uh, a diet and lifestyle. Uh, And that's what we're trying to do is really drive a very efficient fuel source for our cells so that they can function, repair, and heal optimally. And that's ultimately why this is beneficial for, you know, folks with cancer and beyond. No, I say I love this because you've cleared up so many things there. First of all, um, most people, I would just assume when they think of metabolism or metabolic, they're thinking of uh, how can I lose weight, right? So, but it is what drives that cellular function in our body, which is, you know, our, our whole entire body is made up of of these individual cells. And I love that you cleared up that, you know, the myth of this being a genetic disease or, Hey, you know, it kind of quote unquote runs in the family, um, that five to 10% maybe only linked to that, but so another like 90% diet lifestyle, how, how you interact with your environment. And I think not to b- blame people for getting cancer or what have you, but to right. under empower right. them to say, look, right. there are a lot of things that we are assaulted by every single day in our modern day, um, in our environment, in the, in the choices that we make that aren't so great sometimes. And so this, I mean, the, 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 um, the approach, the, the way that you lay this book out is just absolutely amazing. So I want to dive into the mm-hmm. terrain 10. Okay. Sure. Uh, describe these 10 elements and how they're related to the cancer process. 
So I'm very visual, Holly, and so I think about the concept of a tree, all right? And so I see this big canopy over the tree, which is the epigenetics. That's our blueprint that we're born with, yet we might be born with it, but we can certainly rearrange the furniture, okay? We can redecorate, if you will. So it might be what you came with, but you have some control, actually all the control over that. And then we have the soil, which is our microbiome, which, as you know, is becoming a really hot topic. I mean, as naturopaths, we've been saying the gut is the seat of of disease and health for some time, but the research is catching up to show that as well. So what that tree grows out of is very important of that soil, that microbiome. And then next most important is that trunk, this big trunk that connects the canopy to the soil, which is the mental emotional aspect. Um, We're learning more and more about things like ACEs, like an ACE score, which is your um, adverse childhood events and um, different traumas of your childhood that actually increase your risk of cancers and other chronic illnesses into adulthood, as well as just any other significant traumas and emotional things that can change cytokine response, so inflammatory responses in the body. And then branching off that beautiful trunk are seven other Um, you know, components that might be related to blood sugar metabolism, to hormones, to our toxicant exposure, um, our circulation and the way our body makes vessels to and fro from cancer processes, Um, even our circadian rhythm, our night and day processes, our stress response. Um, I think I covered inflammation, but also just our overall immune Mm -hmm. function. And so ultimately, we go much further than the tumor or the tumor cell, or like you said earlier, the diagnosis. I'm I'm like you. I'm not too interested in exactly the diagnosis. I'm interested in what part of their tree was damaged to manifest these symptoms to begin with. And that's what we aim to help people elucidate further by some questionnaires to get a better sense. Because Justin, I'll tell you, I mean, and you get this too, I'm sure, People will come to us and say, I was healthy until I was diagnosed with cancer. I'm, I'm here to tell you that's right. impossible, okay? <laughs> and so today there's exactly. so much, right? There's so much that's happening to, on, and around us that we're unaware of until, frankly, it's, it's too late or, you know, far down the rabbit hole. So we are aiming to help people open their eyes, explore, and get empowered to change things well before they become, you know, a building engulfed in flames. Yeah, the more, you know, I hear you talk and, you know, I have this book, like I said, in front of me and I've been reading and I've learned things myself. Um, this book is actually because it's not just this book on cancer, uh, an approach to cancer. It's really a book that can be individualized with these 10 mm-hmm. sort of, um, you know, this terrain 10. Everybody is so different in the way that we live and the way that our history is. And like you said, our genetics, I mean, we can't change our DNA, but we can change the phenotypic expression of it. We do have control. There's no more like, well, it runs in my family. doesn't work that way. Um, And so I just, I think it's brilliant. And this whole thing, this is really important, folks. Um, Nisha mentioned the ACE, the adverse childhood Mm -hmm. events. I have been seeing more and more in the research and not only to chronic diseases like cancer, but also, um, there was a wonderful presentation. Was, I was speaking at one of Tori Hudson's uh, institutes, oh. and the woman who was before me, I think it was um, Adverse Childhood Events and Advanced HPA Adaptation. So it was that wow. that primal brain, right, that you get on yeah. alert earlier on if you've had these adverse childhood events. I think this is such a new growing part of research, and the fact that you have this yeah. in your book and integrated in the metabolic approach, I love it. Nice <laughs> work. This is awesome. <laughs> 
All right. Now, thank you. This question, I'm going to throw this to Jess because if I, you know, I, here's how I use Facebook. I'm on it for seven seconds, probably four okay. times a day. It's like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> if I, you know, if if I just need to shift gears in some way yeah. for some reason, Facebook can do that for me, and then I'll go back to writing, or I'll, I'll go back to playing my bass, or I'll go back to researching, or I'll just. But it's a little bit of this kind of treat, and it's a break. But I have to tell you, in the last several months, if not a year, I have seen, now obviously the metrics of and all the algorithms of Facebook are always changing, but these ads for, are you fat adapted? You know, the ketogenic diet. I hear about it all the time. Uh, I know my listeners hear about it. What is the ketogenic diet and why has it become increasingly popular over these past few years? Yeah, great question. The ketogenic diet, normally our bodies are bodies run on glucose. That's our, our primary fuel source. Glucose is derived from carbohydrates. Um, and carbohydrates, this is always something that sort of blows people's minds for some reason, but carbohydrates include vegetables, also fruits, legumes, grains. Those are all carbohydrate sources. Uh, the ketogenic diet is very high fat. So approximately 75% of the diet is high fat. We really focus in our book on anti-inflammatory fat. Um, now we're seeing sort of a junk food ketogenic diet start to surface yeah. with new products and that sort of thing, which is sort of devastating. But, leave um, it any- leave it to us. Leave it to us humans. We're going to adulterate it. We're going to junk food it. So when we switch our diet from consuming, you know, fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes into higher fat diets, which would be more well-caught fish, nuts, those type of things, our bodies will switch from burning glucose to our liver will begin to produce ketone bodies. And ketones, I liken it to switching our engine from running on uh, gas to running on diesel. So your body mm-hmm. can run on glucose. And it can also run on ketones. What's interesting is that there's some evidence showing that cancer cells do not have that metabolic flexibility to run as efficiently on ketones. Glucose. Cancer cells love glucose. That's why PET scans work. They increase their rate of glycolysis by 50 to 100%. So it's a, it's a big fuel source for them. So a ketogenic diet makes cancer cells, and I, I always tell people this is not a cure, uh, but let's do something that's going to make those cancer cells a little more shaken up, off balance. And the ketogenic diet does that, and that's what the research is finding. And so when we're burning those ketones, uh, research is, is finding that chemotherapy can work more efficiently. Radiation can work more efficiently. So ketogenic diet is emerging as a very powerful adjuvant therapy for people to do in tandem with their conventional treatments. And so that's what's really exciting. I mean, it certainly has its, its place in the weight loss and weightlifting world and, you know, being very helpful for that approach. But when it comes to certainly neurological disorders, I mean, the ketogenic diet started having therapeutic applications at Johns Hopkins at the turn of the century for uh, pediatric patients with epilepsy. And now we're seeing it for Alzheimer's and uh, Parkinson's and other neurological uh, conditions. But we're also seeing it really helping with cancer. And then anecdotally, Nisha and I have been seeing this for years with our you know, patients going through conventional therapies and they're like, geez, you know, I'm not having the side effects of these treatments. Mm-hmm. They're, they're mm-hmm. responding better. And so that's where I think that we're 
seeing, I mean, that's why we had to write this book. Like, gosh, everyone needs to know that if you're going to yeah. go through these Western treatments, which, of course, there's a time and a place for all of it, why don't you get the best bang for your buck, make them work better <laughs> and feel better throughout it, improve your quality of life. So that's where that, we're really yeah. seeing it gain a lot of traction. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I think that this is so brilliant because – I think that's true integrative, right? Or I would say integrative yeah. medicine where you focus on the individual and you can have a blend. If people choose conventional cancer treatments, yeah. there are so much yeah. research, I think, on this particular quote-unquote diet. Um, I want to come back to that a little bit. Um, yeah. But also other more natural or slash in quotations, alternative therapies mm -hmm. that in conjunction can increase better outcomes and decrease the devastation of these really powerful and um, quite harmful to other cell uh, treatments mm -hmm. from a conventional perspective. And I have to tell you something, um, you know, I'm a big word looker upper, folks know this about me, but <laughs> one, of, one of the favorite words, like I was, I was, I'm like, okay, what does diet actually mean? Like, because there was, <laughs> it's so connotated, right? If yeah, you right. look up diet in the dictionary, and this is what I love, right? It means habitual nourishment. Like how is a habit Ooh. do you nourish yourself? And wow. I think that, you know, instead of like, oh, I'm on a ketogenic diet, if people, as you just so eloquently um, uh, displayed, could understand, once again, just the me mechanism behind what you're doing in order to have your body respond, in order to do something, which is not fuel these cancer cells, and to actually increase your metabolism in a way that's healthy. I just love it. it, it it's it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now, the ketogenic diet is definitely um, a, a, a big part of of, of, of this book in particular mm -hmm. um, from a deeper nutrition perspective, but what other types of integrative therapies are you using when you're treating patients? So, you know, I mean, my gosh, we, of course, as you mentioned earlier, this is completely individualized. So not, not, not two people with the same exact diagnosis, even if they have the same, you know, socioeconomic education background and even the same diagnosis, age, et cetera, if they have all the same demographics, we are still dealing with them very differently. And so uh, kind of my favorites that we, exactly, right? And so basically my favorites that we allude to in the book, we, we tease into it because this is actually going to be um, the next book or two coming out in the future. But, you know, we really utilize some ancient plant medicines um, like CBD. You know, we are finally getting into the research around cannabinoid medicine and understanding that each and every one of us has um, our own endocannabinoid blueprint as well and we can manipulate Isn't that, that amazing uh, it's brilliant <laughs> it's brilliant and then therapies like the oldest um like longest used integrative cancer therapy that's been used uh, constantly since 1917 mistletoe therapy also known as viscum album extract if you're a person with cancer in europe you have anywhere from a 60 to 85 percent chance of using that therapy at some point along with your conventional treatments um, because it has no contraindications and it's a very powerful tool to immunomodulate as well as do some other um, lovely side effects, and especially enhancing um, quality of life. And a lot of people think that it's probably working on the endocannabinoid system um, on some level to help really balance out the HPA axis and the, the dopamine serotonin balance. And then things like hyperbaric oxygen, there's a lot of research in how you bring that into tandem with the ketogenic diet seems to be a, a really powerful blow. And then things like hyperthermia, fever therapy, which is also a kind of side effect of mistletoe. But, um, you know, most of us, the red flag for me is what people don't sweat. And so getting people, you know, 
our skin is our largest organ of absorption as well as elimination. So we want that to function um, beautifully. And getting people to sweat is helpful for, of course, detoxification. But it's also good for internal hormonal balance, blood sugar imbalance, as well as um, these heat sheets heat shock protein issues that are actually part of a cytotoxic kind of cleaning up the system. Like we heat water to burn off organisms. Um, we're doing that within ourselves. So it kind of, it's like a little wildfire throughout our body that keeps our soil really rich. I love it. That sounds, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I feel it's when I was listening to you speak and I, I, and I think about the thing that kind of wakes me up every day and allows me to go to sleep is that the body has an innate ability to heal itself. And, and it has yeah. this entire system built in and when you were listing off the things that you um, integrate into your comprehensive individualized treatment uh, I, I kept thinking of oh that's just stimulating the body in one way or another or it yeah. is it is actually yeah. you know so supportive to uh, that innate healing process that we all have so woo-hoo. now listen uh, <laughs> just said this earlier um, we've got can we you know there's a place for everything right we I, I think there's right. value in all systems of medicine I mean shoot right. I got in a horrible motorcycle accident very very helpful for western reductionistic medicine at the time yeah. Um, yeah. I did not want to eat steamed broccoli when I was suffering from that but so how how have you been um dancing with your with your conventional oncologist um how has this approach been received and if we go to just straight conventional oncology where do you think where do you think they kind of got it wrong well, I think a part of it is um, in the conventional realm, we tend to just focus on the tumor or the tumor cell, and we, we tend to forget because all our research really is based on sort of cell line studies, animal studies, tumor studies. So we've been looking in that funnel vision for some time, and that hasn't gotten us very far, right? And so I think there is a real shift happening. I mean, the whole precision medicine initiative um, that Biden, you know, helped promote and propagate, and the guy from Napster donated a large chunk of money to to help really empower researchers to speak to each other and share their information to actually move this forward. There's a lot of philanthropic donations coming in to funding research today, which is really getting us out of the industry running the show and getting it back into truly health running the show or the desire to achieve health. Um, Really interestingly enough, the people who seem to embrace us the most, and just to speak to this as well, are more the academic institutions. They are starting to ask the right questions and actually do the research behind it. So in a lot of these environments, like I've helped with an IRB and a research trial that's happening at Hopkins right now, and I'm in conversation with people at UCSF and UCLA and MD Anderson and Memorial Stone Kettering and, um, you know, uh, Roswell Cancer Center and Beaumont Hospital. Now, I mean, we are really being asked to communicate with some of these folks who want to start to take a different approach. And I think that is incredibly exciting. I've seen more changes in the last two years in the field of oncology than I saw in the previous 23 years all put together. So I feel hopeful for the first time in this endeavor in my entire personal as well as clinical experience. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, if I ever... I'm coming your way if I ever get, get diagnosed with him. Like, move over. <laughs> get, not, get me on the, give me a plane to see it. I'm, I'm coming, hanging out. We're going to take it up. I mean, I've been doing pretty good thus far, but gosh darn it. Um, so here's what I want to ask. Now, I have heard, and I think that you might tell me, that the number one risk factor for getting cancer is already having had cancer. Is that true? Uh, yeah, actually, that's a we have a three hundred percent increase 
um, you know, of, of brand, brand new cancers after someone's already had cancer before that is that increase has happened since the 1970s. You know, and, and Jess can offer up a few more big risk factors that are pretty common patterns. You want to throw those into the mix, Jess? Yeah, I think we identify, you know, several of them yeah. in the book. And I, I think what's, what's scary to think about that is sort of mind-blowing is that a lot of our cancer treatments, our conventional cancer treatments, are actually listed by the International Agency for Cancer Research, the IARC, as Class one carcinogens. I mean, we talk about right. tamoxifen and the... Uh, tamoxifen in the introduction of our book. I mean, how do we fight cancer with a carcinogen? I mean, we have to start doing better than that. So I think I think one of the biggest things is that what's happened since World War II is we've introduced into our environment, you know, over eighty thousand different chemicals, which only five percent or so have been tested. None have been tested for their synergistic effects. And we are literally lathered in toxic chemicals. I mean, I just think about how I walk my clients through their morning routine of yeah. what, you know, the, the phytoesters, excuse me, the xenoestrogens rather that they will get in their morning shampoo and their perfume. Right. And then if they're making coffee with bleached filters, uh, you know, they're getting exposed to several different known carcinogens before they've even stepped out of the door for the day. And I think that yep. that's... What we're really underestimating because of the money that's involved in the chemical industry, the agriculture industry, and people just don't, mm. they're just not aware of it. And I think that that's where our, our book is really important because people hopefully have a little light that turns on and goes, oh, I didn't mm. even think yeah. about that, you know? Right. So it's so day. Well, now listen, big question here, and I bet I know the answer. Where can people get their hands on this book as quick as possible? Yeah, so it's available. We, yeah. Go ahead, Nisha. Oh, no, go for it. <laughs> we're on uh, local bookstores are carrying our books, and then we're also asking people to request their local bookstores to carry it so that mm-hmm. we can support, you know, the local businesses. Uh, Chelsea Green <laughs> is our publisher, and it's available on their website and then also on large book retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, those type of places. So. Yeah, Amazon, you can get this book and a side of steamed broccoli and salmon now, along with kombucha. <laughs> they just call foods. All right, ladies, thank you so much. Folks, the, here's the title oh. of the book, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer, Integrating Deep Nutrition, the Ketogenic Diet, and Non-Toxic Bio-Individualized Therapies. It is a must-have, I have to tell you that. That is one of my must-haves. Uh, to find more out about Dr. Nasha Winters, OptimalTerrainConsulting.com, just as long as you can spell that, you can find her there, and as well, RemissionNutrition.com. Thank you so much, ladies. Wonderful job. This is in such incredible work. I'm so proud of you, and I'm so thrilled for you. Uh, folks, Mindful Medicine, we're just trying to help you use your own mind so you can navigate the sea of information out there and make great choices for you and your family. Until next time, thanks so much. Dr. Lucille.